God knows the future. He knows the end of something before the beginning begins. So he knows the end of America. What do you think? He knows the end of the world. What do you think? He knows when you and I are going to meet him. What do you think? He knows everything. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. The Bible is the only book on earth that didn't come from earth. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us today. This time, we're continuing our series through the book of Daniel that I've called Courageous Living in Trying Times. You know, one of the great things about the Word of God is that it consists of 66 books from 40 different authors written over a 1,500-year span. Yet, they all agree in perfect harmony. In today's message, we're going to see that the prophet Daniel had a vision of someone he called the Ancient of Days. This powerful vision is in agreement with several other Bible authors spread over centuries of time. You don't want to miss Daniel's powerful account of what he saw and how it relates to us today. So let's go right to today's word, the Ancient of Days. Now... Let me just give us a little recap because we're treading into deeper water tonight, but not water that's so deep you can't understand it. It's very understandable. As I already told you, the historical biographical portion of Daniel is finished with chapter 6. The first six chapters are primarily telling us about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel in a pagan kingdom and how they survived continual pressure for them to assimilate into paganism. And it was a great lesson for us today because we're no longer in a Christian nation. We're in a nation that has a lot of Christians in it. We're in a nation that has a lot of people that think they're Christians in it. But when you look at government law that's been passed, when you look at the primary and the, the uh, overall mindset and belief system of America now, it's no longer a Christian nation. It's a pagan nation with Christians in it. So, and what are we all feeling? We're feeling pressure to assimilate into paganism instead of taking a stand. So I believe God's looking for churches that'll take a stand and grow a spine and say, I won't bend, bow, break, or back down. And he's going to bless those churches with harvest. And I believe worldwide outreach. Now, Next, we are moving into a purely prophetic portion of Daniel where we're going to encounter somebody who Daniel calls the Ancient of Days as well as his vision of the return of Christ, Daniel's vision of the return of Christ. And our first encounter of the Antichrist in the book of Daniel comes in this chapter. And we're going to, we're going to see what Daniel has to say about this wicked individual. Now, keep in mind that Daniel, along with the three Hebrew teenagers, is captive in Babylon. He's a captive when he's writing this. He's, he's in prison in a foreign land with the rest of the southern kingdom of Judah. And just to give you a little background and help you kind of put your Bible together a little bit better, during this very same time when 
Daniel is prophesying, and the southern kingdom of Judah is in captivity in Babylon. Jeremiah has been preaching and warning Judah for decades to repent. And Jeremiah was a contemporary of Daniel. And guess who else? Ezekiel was also in captivity in Babylon during this time, as was also Habakkuk and Zephaniah, who were prophesying during this time and were contemporaries of Daniel and Jeremiah as well. So you see a lot of these Old Testament prophets are clustered together during this time period to warn the people, you better turn, you better turn, judgment is coming, and they never listen. They never listen. I am stunned when I read through the book of Jeremiah, for instance. I'm stunned at how tone deaf they were to the word of God. I mean, for decades, Jeremiah preached to them, and none of them turned. None of them. Now, you'll recall that we closed out chapter 5 with the death of King Belshazzar. And the Medes and the Persians came in and overthrew the Babylonian kingdom, which is exactly what Daniel said would happen when he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And it's also what Jeremiah predicted. Jeremiah predicted that an army would come out of the north and overthrow Babylon. So they had prophetic voices everywhere and a nation that just could not hear the word of God. Now, we're starting chapter 7 tonight, and it begins with a jump back in time to the first year of Belshazzar's reign. Now, remember, Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, okay? So the kingdom went from Nebuchadnezzar to grandson Belshazzar. And in the first year of the reign of Belshazzar, Daniel has a dream and a vision. He said, in my head while on my bed. And he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Now, let's start at verse 1. Here we go, chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then what did he do with the dream? He wrote it down so he wouldn't forget it. He wrote it down. Sometimes when God speaks to you, you better write it down. He wrote down the dream telling the main facts of what he had dreamed because he knew it was prophetic. Look at verse 2. Daniel spoke saying, here's what I saw. I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. So he's got a dramatic picture in front of him. Wind from every direction causing huge waves to rise in the sea. And then look what happened in verse 3. Four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Don't you love these dreams these people had? These are major dreams. As a kid, I would have loved these dreams. Lions and tigers and bears, amen. These are heavy dreams. But what gets me is how accurate God is about the future. As we look at these four beasts, Here's what you're going to realize. You're going to recognize a strong similarity, if you've been with me in this class, a strong similarity to the dream Nebuchadnezzar had in chapter 2 of the giant man, the colossal man, some commentators call it, the colossal man. Remember, he had a dream of that huge man who had a head of gold, arms and chest of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, and legs of iron, and remember the feet 
or iron mixed with clay. So as we go through this, we're going to find that this is another version of the same dream. He sees four beasts coming up out of the sea. And let's see what those beasts were because they are so prophetic. Verse 4, the first beast that I saw was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till his wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. He said, well, in the world is that, Jeff? Here's what it is. This first kingdom represented by a lion with eagle's wings is Babylon. It's Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. While, which in chapter 2, when you go back to the colossal man, is symbolized by the head of gold. This first beast, the lion, is also chapter 2's head of gold. The head of gold was Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The lion is Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The wings like an eagle represent unrestrained flight. And Babylon was king of the earth, going and coming as it pleased. It ruled the earth with an iron fist. But watch this. Daniel dreams that the wings were plucked off. What does that show? It shows loss of power, loss of power to fly, loss of power to move. It shows a diminishing of power. Being lifted from the earth and made to stand with a man's heart is likely picturing the time of Nebuchadnezzar's restoration from insanity. You remember King Nebuchadnezzar, he's full of pride. He looked out over the kingdom of Babylon and he said, look at this that I have built. This incredible kingdom that I have built. Remember the voice came from heaven and said, now this is the revised Wickwire version. That's it, dude. Today, the kingdom is taken from you. And what happened to him? He lost his mind, started crawling around on all fours, eating grass like a cow. And he stayed that way for years. What was God doing? He was humbling him. But what happened one day? It says, like the prodigal son, it says he came to himself. And when he came to himself out of this insanity, what did he do? He came out a worshiper of the true and the living God. And he said, God is the God of gods, and he's the one that has dominion over all the nations of the earth. And essentially what he says about God, he's recanting what he had said about himself. So he was humbled. So likely this picture that Daniel had, this dream of a man's heart, is picturing Nebuchadnezzar coming back to himself and being restored to sanity. So... The first creature or beast, the lion, is Babylon. But now he's going to go prophetic into the future to something that hasn't happened yet. He continues to the second beast, and suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, read it with me, everybody, arise, devour much flesh. So in the dream, here's Daniel. He sees a bear coming up out of the sea. Now, what is that? Remember, he's having this dream at the beginning of Belshazzar's reign. But we know that Belshazzar's reign didn't last long. And how did it end? How did it end? A hand appeared and started writing on the wall. And Belshazzar's knees started knocking. And he called for all of his wizards and all of his wise men. And nobody could figure it out. So what did they do? His queen came forward and said, hey, there's a guy named Daniel that you apparently don't know much about, but you should because he'll tell you what this handwriting is. And they called Daniel out of the shadows. And Daniel comes forward and he says, here's what it says, meaning, meaning, tackle you, parson. It says, essentially, your kingdom is taken from you tonight. And that night, Belshazzar 
was killed by the invading Medes and Persians, and in one night, an entire nation was overthrown and replaced by another one. A nation can be lost in a day, everybody. This is the kingdom of Babylon, ruled the world, but it was lost in one night. It was replaced by another kingdom in one night. So if you study history, you find that the Medes and the Persians were a bloodthirsty, warlike people, hence the words, arise and devour much flesh. Now the three ribs in the bear's mouth likely represent the three kingdoms conquered by the Medes and Persians, which were Egypt, Lydia, and Babylon. By the time the Medes and the Persians passed away, they had three ribs in their mouth, three nations they had conquered. Look what God knew before it ever came. Come on, everybody. You're looking at me like a calf stares at a new gate or a deer stares at headlights. All right? God knows the future. He knows the end of something before the beginning begins. God knows the end of a thing before it starts. So here he is saying there's another kingdom coming. Medes and the Persians, they're going to be bear-like, and they're going to conquer three. They're going to have three ribs in their mouth, but then they're going to be conquered too because in verse 6 comes another beast. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. So here's a four-headed leopard. Wow, what is that? Well, this one's really easy. This one's the Greeks under Alexander the Great who conquered the Medes and the Persians and many other lands swiftly. Do you know that Alexander died very, very young and he died an alcoholic? Do you know that? He didn't live to be an old man. He died an alcoholic and he died very young. But before he died, he was prodigious. He conquered much of the world and he always did it swiftly like a leopard. In chapter 2... That's the belly and the thighs of brass on Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the colossal man. So this is just another version of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. What about the leper with four heads? When Alexander died, his kingdom was divided amongst four of his generals, which accounts for the third beast having four heads. God knew that was coming before it ever even began. So he knows the end of America. What do you think? He knows the end of the world. What do you think? He knows when you and I are going to meet him. What do you think? He knows everything. Bible prophecy amazes me. Over a quarter of the Bible is prophecy. Did you know that? Now, now we come to the real focus of Daniel's vision, which was also the main focus of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2. There's a main focus, a main gist, and here it is in verse 7. After this, I saw in the night visions... And behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, we know what this beast was. This beast was Rome. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the colossal man, the fourth beast is represented as the legs of iron. This is another version of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The distinguishing feature of this beast, let's notice it because it really matters, is the power it possesses of breaking and stomping out 
everything in its path. It appears really as a monster in Daniel's dream, snorting, stomping, chewing, destroying, any opposition. It is a ferocious beast. And this final beast blows Daniel away. And of course, this is exactly what Rome was like. It conquered the world with brute strength. Listen to what one Roman writer, Dionysius, wrote about Rome. Listen to this. See if it doesn't sound like Daniel's dream. The city of Rome rules over all the earth as far as it is inhabited, and it commands all the sea, not only that within the pillars of Hercules, but also the ocean as far as it is navigable, having first and alone of all the celebrated kingdoms made both east and west the bounds of its empire. And its dominion has continued longer than that of any other city or kingdom. Rome, the place of the bloodthirsty Caesars, Nero, Diocletian, others who persecuted the church and martyred thousands of believers. It would be, writes Daniel, different from all the beasts before it. This fourth one, this fourth creature is distinguished from the other three. It is standing out to Daniel more strongly than the other three. It was so different from the other three, it's given no name. No beast is given to symbolize Rome like a beast was given to symbolize the others. Because he can't think of a beast that can symbolize it. It's so terrible. At the very end of verse 7, Daniel adds that it has ten horns. Now, if you're with me in the book of Revelation series, that rings a bell with you immediately. Horns are symbols of power and authority in the Bible. Now, we are immediately reminded of the same description of a beast with ten horns in the book of Revelation. Here's what John the Revelator writes. Now, this is John writing in the New Testament centuries and centuries after Daniel. Listen to this. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. He's having a vision as well. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now, I taught you in the book of Revelation series, and I'll reiterate it tonight. These ten horns represent the ten kingdoms into which ancient Rome will have been divided when Antichrist appears. Remember, John said, he described Rome this way, it was, and then it was not, and then it was again. John predicted that Rome would die out, and we know that Rome did. Western Rome went around in about the 5th century. It was gone. But he said it's going to come back, and that's the feet mixed with iron and clay in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's going to come back, but it's going to be mixed with different cultures. It won't be pure iron. It'll be mixed with different cultures. So he's telling us that from ancient Rome, there is going to evolve 10 nations with 10 kings that have come from, are part of, have as their root system, ancient Rome. And I personally believe it's there right now in the European Union. Ooh, I just got Holy Ghost bumps when I said that. Now, these horns are really important because Daniel is completely fixed on this last beast. Look at verse 8. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. 
And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Let me introduce you to the Antichrist right there. Now we know it's not an it or a thing or some impersonal force because the personal pronoun whom before whom is used. And since in the dream, Daniel says, wow, I saw the eyes of a man and a mouth. That's the Holy Spirit letting us know this is a human being, eyes and a mouth. Now, he's going to go into this more in this chapter tonight, but uh, Antichrist is the little horn. Probably called thus because at first he's inconspicuous. Notice how it says he comes up among the ten. He's not among the ten, which seem to be sort of ruling the day until this little horn comes up. And when this little horn comes up, he overthrows three of them in his rise to power. He arises from the midst of these ten kingdoms. He is among them, one amongst many leaders when he rises up. I fully believe, and I don't mean to get spooky or weird or twilight zone-ish with this, But I personally believe that it's very possible and somewhere in Europe right now, the little horn is alive and waiting for the moment. And when he comes to power, he does it very, very quickly, very quickly. Later in Daniel, we're going to see it. Daniel's going to make it clear that the Antichrist steps onto the world stage seemingly overnight. And when he does, there's a power play. And the power play results in the overthrow of three of the ten kings that are ruling the day when he comes into power. Notice his personality. Here's a personality profile of Antichrist. And he's going to give us another one later. He is pompous. He is arrogant. He is cocky. He's speaking proudly. He's full of himself. And he speaks blasphemies, everybody. His mouth is full of blasphemy. You know what amazes me, if I can just digress a second? I don't know if I've just been in the wrong place at the wrong time lately, but have you noticed how people's language has gotten so vile? Have you noticed that? I went to a restaurant, and I parked next to a pickup truck. And hanging in this pickup truck in the rearview mirror, on the rearview mirror was a cross. There's a cross hanging down. But two girls were in this pickup truck, and the window was down, and they were just chatting. And the most vile speech was coming out of their mouth with the cross hanging there. I wanted to peek my head in and say, what that cross mean to you? What are you talking this way with that cross hanging off your rearview mirror? But everywhere you go, there's just vile, filthy, godless speech. Well, that's it for this time. What a powerful vision the prophet Daniel had. And there is much more to come as we continue our journey through Daniel's powerful book. Now, don't go anywhere because we've got some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners, you're going to want to take advantage of. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, The Ancient of Days. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. The King of all creation. 
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. The Ancient of Days is the seventh message of Pastor Jeff's series, Courageous Living. You can own a copy of this 13 CD set for just $65 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Courageous Living, for only $65 plus shipping. By logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Life Talk.